Happy Mother's Day, everybody. It is, um, if you're a mom, we're here to celebrate you today, and we're glad that you're here today. Um, but I, it's always, there's always tension when we're in confirmation and we're doing other things, because it gets to be a lot, and we have some things going on. Uh, but we are so glad uh, to be jumping into talking about what it means to uh, raise kids up in faith. Uh, we put this during the season in part because it was confirmation, in part because it was Mother's Day, uh, but we're in the middle of this series we're calling It's Just a Phase. Uh, normally we read scripture right before we start the sermon, and we'll get back to that next week, but it was just one verse this week, so I'm going to take you into that as we get there, because get out our Bible, read one verse, and stop seemed a little goofy. And so we're talking about this. What does it mean to say it's just a phase? Because I think we've all heard that that we say about our kids, it's just a phase, you'll get through it. But we believe that phases are predictable, and we believe, as we're talking about kids and what it means to raise them, raise them in faith, is that phases matter, because a phase is a time in a kid's life when you have a chance to leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. Uh, Middle school is an important phase. Part of the reason we talk about confirmation in middle school is that middle schoolers are having this chance to be able to think for one of the first times in their life abstractly and question what's around them. And so we want to engage their questions and talk about faith with middle school students because it's up until that point, you could just be like, God is love. And kids are like, yeah, the whole world flooded, and that's cool. And you kind of think about it as an adult, and you go, that's kind of scary. And all the kids go, Noah, yay. And so you start to think and stop and ask these questions. And the question is, how do we stop at the time, at a time in a kid's life when we can really engage certain questions? Because phases are predictable. One of the phases, um, we talked about a couple of these last week, but I wanted to share a couple more with you. The phase between age one and age two, it's the phase when nobody's on time, everything's a mess, and one eager toddler will insist, I can do it. Uh, If you've had a toddler, you've heard those four words, uh, they've got this, and those words come up again in other phases. We'll get there in just a minute. Second and third grade is the phase when fairness matters most. Differences get noticed, and your enthusiastic kid thinks anything sounds like fun. We have a second grader right now, and everything is fun, and she's excited about every idea ever. Sometimes I have to explain that that's dangerous, or somebody's going to be afraid, and it's probably me. Um, Seventh and eighth grade is the phase when nothing you do is cool. There's no parents in this room that can identify right now, are there? Nothing you do is cool, everything is fun in a crowd, and one smart kid will keep reminding you, yep, I know. And finally, 11th grade is the phase when there's less drama, but more stress, and your very busy teenager will answer all of your questions with, just trust me. We get through these phases, and they're predictable. And there's not a surprise that kids are going to go through certain things. Sometimes we adjust the year here and there a little bit. For the most part, we just slide all the boys back about a year. Sorry, boys. Um, That's how it goes. But, But we're trying to figure out How do we wrestle with the life stages that kids are going through? And how does a church and a family or a friend or a leader encourage kids? And I think one of the things we talked about last week was we don't want to miss our role, that everybody has a role in caring for somebody who's going through something they've already been through. But this week, I want to dig deep into one particular verse and talk about what this week means. And that verse is this, Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to count our days so that we might gain 
a wise heart. Teach us to count our days so that we might gain a wise heart. And some of you are looking at this going, why are there a bunch of marbles? If you've been through our baptism class or you were here last week, you know that we use marbles to represent time. This is a jar with about 900 and, I think it's 936 marbles. It's one for every week from when a kid is born until they graduate from high school, you know, give or take, depending on when you're born or I guess if you get held back, you get 50 more. But um, that's just one of those things that goes on. Um, but, but we kind of look at this and we ask, some people say, you can't make me look at this. It's going to make me cry and it's going to make me sad. I need to tell you reality because I tried this yesterday. I stood in front of my rapidly growing 11-year-old and I tried to hold her head down to see if I could stop her from growing, it didn't work. You can imagine this. Maybe you've tried it too. And when we start to look at kids who are growing, we have to ask this question. How do we mark time so that we can realize that time is passing? The psalmist wants us to know. Teach us to count your days, so, count our days so that we may gain a wise heart. When we see how much time we have left, when we see that time is passing, it, it reminds us to do some things that are important. The first thing it does is it reminds us to get serious about the time we have now. Because the difference between zero to one and something like ninth grade, which some of you are getting to right now, is pretty significant. And time passes quickly. And the question isn't try to make sure that there's more. The question is this, does this week matter? And I think when we start to realize that it's not just that time is passing, but that this week matters, we tend to get serious about what we're going to do with the time that we have left. My bad habit is that I tend to park myself on the couch and try to detach from what's going on because I really like TV and I really like sports. But this is one of those reminders that, you know, the games that I get to play are important now. That time matters because I need to get serious about this before it begins to disappear. When we, when we start to mark time, we prioritize what matters. The things that matter, matter more. The things that matter, matter more to me when I start to think about time. Maybe that's what the psalmist means by wisdom. That I don't forget what matters. In fact, when I start to figure out that there is a story and that it is going to come to an end, whatever this season is, I need to figure out what matters to me. We value what the time is used for. We don't want to just waste it. And more importantly, maybe most importantly, we tend to spend time with fewer, more important people. When we get serious about time, we get serious about who we're going to give our time to. Two, we get serious about what we're going to use our time for. So the question is, what matters? And I want to start with a couple of visuals because I think they're helpful. But the first one is simply, oh. We'll work on that after service, Phil. All right. The first one is simply time. Time matters. And we can't get by the fact—by the way, I spun this clock so that none of you would be watching how long my sermon went by me holding a clock in front of you. Um, but time matters, and time matters a great deal for this reason, because it's always running. And what you do over time makes a difference. We're all going somewhere, and so we have to think about what time does. When we do something repeatedly, when we invest our time in something, it 
changes things. And we can change ourselves, people around us, and the world by thinking about what it means to invest our time. And when we do things time over time, when we do things time over time, over and over again, we can see that time changes things and that we can move based on what time is doing. So, what are the things we do that make a difference? Or what are the things that we can do over time that make a difference? And the first, I think, is simply this. Love over time. There are people in your life who need to know this reality, that love is for them. And when we give somebody love over time, it gives them a sense of worth. When we tell a kid that we love them over time, they begin to realize that they're valued. The fact that you say, I love you, to a person on a regular basis means way more than you can believe. The fact that you show it to them. Maybe you're not the say it type, but you show it. I grew up in a family where we said, I love you, and we hugged all the time. In fact, um, other people outside of our family kind of comment on the ridiculous number of hugs that we have. But it's important. Because when we show somebody love over time, we tell people that they are worth something. That they matter. We need to give people our love for this reason. The Bible does not say, change your neighbor as yourself. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the love that you give to somebody else makes a huge difference in their lives. Love over time gives a kid worth. All right. Next. Words. And I hate to tell you this, if you have a person in your life who is young and you know this if they're older, at some point in time, the way that you're going to give your kid words over time is with a machine that looks a lot like this. It's a very nice machine so that you can talk to people who you care about whether or not they happen to be in the same room as you. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But the words that you speak over people, when they're in your house, when they're in your car, when they're in your circle of friends— make a difference in their lives. Words over time give a person direction. You see, people don't remember the things you just say once. They remember the things you say again and again and again. My, my dad is here today, and my dad said to me over and over again when I was a kid, you have one life. Usually it was when I was about to propose something really dumb, you know, and that's the reality. And he would explain, like, don't destroy your body because it's the only one you have. You have one life. Those words gave me direction. It gave me discernment over and over again to hear that. That the way that I invest the time that I have now matters because it's once on this earth to make a difference. And that's what I want to do. What are the words that you're telling a kid in your life? It doesn't have to be your kid. It can be a nephew or a godchild or a friend who is maybe a little bit behind where you are in a season, but whatever it is, whoever it is that you have influence over, what do you tell them again and again? Because words over time give somebody direction. All right. How about this? Fun. You need to have fun in your life. You need to have fun with your family. Some of you are going to take a picture and put this on Twitter. Please don't. Um, but <laughs> fun matters. And fun matters a great deal. The best vacation we ever took as kids, we took some cool vacations on road trips. The best vacation we ever took in our family 
was this. We had what was called a stay-at-home vacation, and every person in the family got to pick a day that they got to do whatever they wanted. And on one day, I made my dad golf. I don't know that he was excited about this, but I sure was. And we got to go to the golf, the real golf course, not just the little one, and do all the cool things in the big space, because that was my favorite thing to do, even since I was pretty little. But when we had fun, we made memories. And when we made memories, people knew that when you give—people know this. When you give somebody fun over time, they get connection. Fun over time gives a kid connection. The stories that bind families together aren't the TV shows they watch, it's the yard, and it's not the yards that they rake. It's not the time that they sit together, and it's not the time necessarily that they work together, but it's when we play together. That's when we know we belong. When you get invited into the fun parts of a family, you know that you matter. And so we need to ask this question, are we investing time right now? Is this week about fun? And can we have some fun together? All right, next. Here's one. This is stories. What are the stories that you're telling as a family? Um, I have this Bible, and I have this Bible, and I'm about to tip my cards to a child that's in the room, but I'm going to tell you this, and then she's going to hear, or maybe she's not. But this is uh, a third-grade Bible that we give away. This is Abby's third-grade Bible. I've had it in my office for the better part of four or five months because I've been reading it, and I've been writing in it. It's for her. And when she gets, a, when she gets this Bible, she's going to have some of the stories that are a part of our lives and our family's lives. She's going to have some of the stories that matter to me in the Bible because stories over time give a kid perspective. When we hear the stories that shape us, they tell us what matters. And the stories that you tell in your family show who matters, what matters, and why they matter. The reason we tell stories as a church and the reason that they matter so much is because they give us perspective for something wider than ourselves. One of the hardest things in the life of a young person is realizing that there is something bigger than today. It is almost impossible without this, without stories. Because when somebody tells you a story, you engage in a way that you don't in anything else. And when we begin to tell each other stories, we begin to show people the bigger picture. Jesus constantly told people stories to give meaning. And we tell stories about Jesus because it reminds us again and again of who we belong to. All right, one more. And I couldn't find a better one because I couldn't find a team that would divide you. So I found this in the back. This is a nice little Living Waters t-shirt. Maybe you've seen these before. Tribes matter tribes matter. Who do you belong to? One of my favorite things about Kids Connect and about Student Connect is that they go into groups, and those people are their group. I loved, uh, somebody talked about Anne, uh, small, one of the small group leaders who was there. You see, the people who matter are the people who tell you that you belong, that you have a place. Tribes over time give a kid belonging. This is why we love to cheer for teams and go to family reunions and to be a part of a church wider than ourselves. When we invite people to be a part of a group, they know that they belong there and that they know they matter somewhere. One of my favorite things about this church is all the baptisms because the baptisms remind us again and again that we belong, that together we matter. And that no matter who you are, you are a part of God's tribe. 
of God's family, of God's community, and we know that we're part of something. You see, this is what this week means. We're giving our kids things. We're giving them time and stories and words, and we're teaching them why they matter and what they're worth and the direction they're going and why it means something that they are part of our families over and over and over again. You may not have a kid of your own. You may not be in a season where you're raising somebody. But I am telling you, we have a generation coming up after us who need this as much as our generations did, whatever generation you're in. And we need to stop and ask them, how are we going to pour in? The psalmist reminded us of these simple words. So teach me to, or teach us to count our days so that we may gain a wise heart. And we begin to start to think about what it means to, to number our days to gain wisdom. We begin to realize that no matter what, that God continues to invite us in. God continues to remind us that we have a story here going on. Wisdom is knowing this. At some point in time, your life is not going to go on anymore. And more than likely, a hundred years after that, everybody, people who walk into the cemetery are going to know you only by a story. That matters because I need you to know this. The people sitting around you are the people who are going to know you forever. Bob Goff, uh, who's a speaker who tells a story, and when he prays, he says, I want you to open your eyes because we're going to spend eternity together and I want you to remember my face. You know, it's kind of this thing. When we go to heaven, the people that you're going to know are the people who are around you now. Everybody else is going to be like, you're cool and new. But there's going to be this group of people who know each other. You matter to each other. And that's why the relationships that you have here and now matter so much. Because your time matters. And who you invest in matters. And the way that you touch generations three and four from now is by blessing the one that you know right here and right now. So don't miss this week. Invest this time in giving people around you what they need. And if you need to hear this, hear this from me right now. That God loves you, and he is willing to give you time over time over time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you give us your time. And we're so thankful that you give us to one another. Help us to gain wise hearts, to remember that this time that we have matters because of who is around us and why they matter. Help us to pour into one another, to lift each other up, and to remind each other that we are a part of your family and you will never let us go. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and together God's people said, amen.